Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for June 14th, 2020. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Oh, boy. I want to share with you uh, on email, uh, I subscribe to a site uh, called Daily Good. And um, uh, their latest... Uh, uh, article was titled what does wild nature teach us and uh, I don't want to talk about the article per se but what that title triggered associations for me um, about my experiences with wild nature okay and um now this is not really wild nature but it's uh something that city folks might not experience okay because we do we are on a six acre wooded property okay and uh you know we can't see our neighbors uh and it's uh, and there are a lot of critters around yeah, uh, coyotes. There's squirrels. There's deer. There's rabbits. There's gophers. Um, a lot of birds. So we have a lot of experiences, and uh, in particular, we do have. Uh, you know, this is Central California, and technically, it might be a desert. Be called a desert, you know, because the rainfall. We don't get much rain, uh, and we're in the foothills. We're about 1,500 feet, so we're not that high in elevation, but we're in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. Um, We don't have any bears or mountain lions, (laughs) but we do have rattlesnakes and tarantulas. Tarantulas, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty innocent. They're not too dangerous, and they only come out uh, during the mating season, a couple of weeks in uh, October. 
when the males come out and they're looking around, okay? So you, um, you might not see them very often. The rattlesnakes, uh, they, you know, they don't want, they don't like humans either. Uh, and if you leave them alone, there's no problem. Okay. And they're not real prevalent on our property. I've, in the 10 years, 12 years we've been here, maybe I've encountered rattlesnakes maybe uh, three, four times. Um, relatively speaking, you might say, well, you know, is that a lot or not? But uh, it's not that common. Several years can go by and never encounter one. Um, and uh, I did have the good fortune of early on our UPS delivery man uh, saw a rattlesnake on our right outside, you know, our front door uh, on in our yard. And he said, hey, you got a rattlesnake there. And he's a local person, so he's pretty experienced uh with with the local things and and uh, so we looked at the rattlesnake it was a pretty good sized one and he says well wh- wh- what do you, what do you want to do you know and i said well you know uh, he's close to the house and we have dogs so i think we better dispatch him and and he goes okay i'll help you and he said do you have a rake you know and i got that i gave him a rake not a rake for raking leaves but the other kind of rake you know, it's, it's pretty solid. It's got the short tines, and uh, maybe you cultivate the ground with it. So he took that, and he just bopped the, uh, the rattlesnake on the neck, okay, with the flat part of the, the rake. And he said, that's it. Okay. Um, that was, and why this was good is that I saw how a local person handles it. It was nothing to him. You know, so that really, uh, that observational learning and direct experiencing like that, uh, I know how to handle rattlesnakes, okay? And I've done what he, what I learned from him several times, okay? Um, uh, So uh, now I know that people, if they, if they're not, accustomed to this kind of wildlife, if you say, well, we live on a property with, you know, and there's rattlesnakes, they say, oh, I wouldn't want to live there. And maybe if we had known (laughs) there was rattlesnakes before we got this property in this area in the foothills, we would have, we would have thought about it. But we found out, you know, what's, what's uh, wild nature after we bought the property and lived by living on the property. And that makes a big difference in your attitude. You say, well, we'll learn to get along with them. We have to. And local people do it all the time. So, okay, we can do it. Um, uh, and uh, the other common thing for us is, uh, well, coyotes, you don't see them too much. but if you have, if you try to have uh, pet cats, and they're outdoor cats, uh, unless they're very savvy cats that, uh, you know, uh, they'll get eaten up. 
uh, deer are very destructive. They'll uh, come and eat your fruit trees. They'll. I tried to start an orchard and I put some. Uh, I had put some uh, wire fencing pretty high around it, and the deer's. Uh, you know, they saw some nice. Uh, I had some young cherry trees planted, and they just knocked that fence down. <laughs> you know, I said, "Wow." Uh, you can't do a, a a half job on making a sturdy fence, okay? Uh, if you really want to deter them, you got to have a pretty sturdy fence. Um, I plant a, a, a plum tree, a little sapling, and uh, I was going to put a fence around it, but I planted it, and I was going to you know, put the fence around it tomorrow. The next day, boom, that <laughs> deer got it that same night. Okay. Um, they, they, they know their territory. They know what's going on. Okay. We got a bobcat. Okay. And if a squirrels and the gophers, uh, I mean, and the rabbits get plentiful, you know, start seeing a lot of them. Then that's when I saw the, the bobcat. Okay. That's sort of a balance of nature type of thing, okay? Um, we have uh, red-tailed hawks, same thing. If some of the other critters get plentiful, then, you know, it's like low-hanging low fruit, and the, and, the, and the hawks will, you know, will hunt them and get them. Uh, squirrels... I have a, I planted a peach tree. Now squirrels fences won't keep out a, a squirrel. <laughs> the squirrels are pretty rough to to keep out of your garden or orchard. And one time I had a lot of little peaches on this one peach tree. You know they they were they were not uh, full, fully grown yet, but they were all you know the tree was loaded with them. I said whoa, and then the next morning I went out there and they were all gone. It was amazing. I mean, he must have been busy. He must have stashed a, real, a horde of them. And uh, this is my first experience with, like this. And so, wow, I, I did have some live traps. And so I put one live trap where they go, if they go into this wire cage, like, and then they trip the, you know, thing that, and then the, the gate closes on them. Okay. And then you could take him and let him loose couple of miles away somewhere off your property. You didn't want to kill them. So anyway, I put a live trap at the base of the tree. And the tree was surrounded by a pretty high, you know, wire fence. Uh, the next day I came and boom, I had caught that that squirrel in, in that live trap. And he was fat. <laughs> and so I took him to a, uh, there's a ride and, uh, ride and share sort of a, a parking lot along the highway. You know, we're kind of in a rural area. And uh, so a couple of miles down the road on Highway 41 there, they have a parking ride place where commuters, I guess, they could uh, ride share and whatnot. And so I took them there and I let them loose there. And I figured 
you know, that kind of a place, there's always a lot of litter and people eat food in their car and everything. So that's a pretty good place with that squirrel. Okay. Of course, when I let him out, he ran for 50 yards and then he stopped and he got on his hind legs, looked around as if to say, where in the heck am I? You know, uh, gophers, oh, gophers are, they'll get my garden. I have a vegetable garden. Oh, boy, they, I, even if you have a, a wire netting at the at the bottom of my raised beds, you know, that, that it, it's all enclosed. They'll get in there. Somehow they get in. Okay. And they'll get, uh, you know, onions, garlic, uh, you know, any kind of root vegetables, you know, they'll get them from the bottom. And so you have to have a lot of tolerance and you can't have expectations of, you know, perfection in terms of your crop harvest and all these kind of things. Uh, so that's the critter part of it. Okay. And of course, you learn a lot about expectations in nature in terms of growing the crops themselves or trees. It's not easy to grow a grow orchard, you know, fruit and nut trees. Okay. You gotta know a little bit about how to do it. You know, you can't plant them too deep, you gotta do this, you can't do that. You can't have, have too much fertilizer in there. You know, they won't wanna leave the hole there. The roots won't want to leave if you know if you don't have the natural soil mixed in and just a little bit of fertilizer, things like this. You know, maybe local people or experienced people take it for granted, but you know, city slicker <laughs> to learn all this by experience and talking to people and reading and learning, but mainly by doing. And uh, when it comes to growing things, well. If you if you make if you learn something, well, you have to wait probably quite a few months, sometimes the whole growing season before you, it's time to do that again, and you want to do it right, you know. So uh, you have to have a lot of patience. Well, that's why I'm just <laughs> I had all these memories that that question triggered. What does wild nature teach us? And uh, a lot of uh, patience <laughs> and everything. Well, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today. Very privileged to have Tamo Hoyo. She's part of our LM5 group, and she lives in Pennsylvania. And so let's hear from Tamo Hoyo. Peace and great bliss. Thank you, Sensei, for allowing me this opportunity to share my Dharma glimpse with everyone. This is Tamu Hoyo Ngina. And, uh, of course, as usual, when I was um, presented with the opportunity to share a Dharma glimpse, I had no idea what I was going to share. But as time went on, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I'm going through a lot of different transitions on various levels. And, you know, some feel good and some feel not so good. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in my own life, in my own uh, Dharma path, my own walk, and, you know, th- this is probably a universal truth. 
that moment when you stop, grasp that moment when you relinquish your attachment to an outcome seems to be for me that moment when beautiful synchronicities start to happen. So then instead of following my desires, following uh, the suffering that I might be acquiring because I'm, you know, invested in a certain outcome in a situation, when I release all of that, beautiful synchronicities happen. And the things that I, you know, maybe hopes and dreams that I had on the back burner, they miraculously show up. So I want to share with you what transpired recently. So I have been going through a lot of emotional situations and, uh, you know, trying to land on the ground and find my footing. And so this past Wednesday, this past Wednesday, when I woke up, uh, as I was getting my day going, I decided to check Facebook. And when I checked Facebook, there was an ad for a yoga class taking place. And it was, it was a little bit unusual because this yoga class was uh, training to become a yoga teacher was taking place online. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. For probably about 15 years, not 15, maybe about 13 years, I had been looking into figuring out how I could become a certified yoga teacher. And I wanted, you know, I wanted the training, and it wasn't really important to me whether or not I join an organization or anything because I have certain I have certain um, opinions regarding that, but I, you know, I definitely understand uh, having standards and making sure that people qualify. Um, one of the issues was that it was, you know, the, the price of the training was a little bit out of my reach, but this takes me to the current situation. You know, we're experiencing a crisis and we've been uh, sort of mandated or uh, suggested that we have social distancing and that we take certain protocols to sort of keep this crisis at bay. And uh, so what a lot of yoga schools have decided to do was, you know, to have training online. And the Yoga Alliance decided to give a special dispensation because of the current crisis, the current situation, would allow to accept new yoga, new certified yoga teachers at their professional level, even if they trained online, only during this crisis period, however. So I found this ad, and I was looking at it, and it said, you know, sign here, sign up here, put your email address so you can receive an appointment for this information session. And I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. So I signed up. And then I went to my email to confirm that I, you know, had signed up and would get the further information. And I, I looked in the email. I, I could not find a confirmation email. 
so I was like, oh, well, maybe I didn't put the the last letter in my email address. And as I perused my photographic mind, I realized, no, I did not put the right email address. So I went back on to Facebook and started, I tried to find this ad. It was gone. So then I just decided, let me go ahead and search for online yoga training. So I found this school and the rate was really reasonable and all of the, the, you know, the type of curriculum that they were offering was something that I was really excited about. And I was like, oh, well, here's some bonus material. This might be what I'll sign up for. So I signed up for the class, and after I signed up for this particular class, I realized that the yoga studio is actually somewhat local to me, uh, you know, about a half hour away, 45 minutes a half hour away. So, you know, I count that to be local. So I got really excited, signed up for it, and sort of, now it, it wasn't necessarily like a dream of mine. But as I share it with friends, it's like over the last 13 years, I, I can count on both hands the amount of people who have come up to me and asked me, was I a yoga teacher? And I would say no. Uh, they would ask me, do you offer yoga at your studio? And I'm like, no. Oh, I thought you were a yoga teacher. And I would think, why would they think that? I have no idea. So anyway, but what I forgot to add prior to that was just earlier last week I had realized, especially due to, you know, our current crisis situation and, you know, not getting out as much as I had been before, I wasn't in the best shape that I could have been in. I had gotten a little, you know, a little lazy. And I said to myself, oh, I really need to get back into my yoga practice and, you know, get in shape. And so from there, I wake up a couple of days later and I find this opportunity that would afford me a nice structured situation to really improve, you know, my yoga practice. So after I signed up from that, I I called a friend of mine. I was like really excited and I told her everything that had happened and how excited I was and it would be great to be able to offer yoga at my studio. And then she mentioned that she was going to a local flea market. And I was like, hey, I'd like to go along with you. So then when I got into the car with her, you know, I'm thinking, oh, we'll go to this flea market for an hour and then come back. And But then once I was in the car with her on the way, it's like, oh, we'll be back around 1 o'clock. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I wasn't planning to be out so late. But then I was like, you know, what the heck? I'll just go ahead and go. So we went, and um, I was in such a rush to get out the door that I forgot to take some cash with me. So we get to the flea market, and we're, we're looking around for this one friend, and we're passing tables. And I, I'm a person, I love to collect rocks, I love to collect crystals, and I like to collect Mary statues for whatever reason, Mary statues, the divine feminine, they really attract me. So I, you know, if I see a yard sale or a flea market, I'll usually get one. And there was one on the table, and it was a dollar. 
And I said to the gentleman, hold on one second. I need to go get my friend and borrow money. I was in such a rush this morning that I ran out the house and forgot my money. And he's like, don't worry about it. It's a gift. Go ahead and take it. And I was like, oh, wow, thank you. I felt on top of the world. So that was the second thing that happened for my day was, you know, first was this opportunity to do yoga training at a reasonable rate that I could afford, and then this beautiful uh, little Mary statue. It was a very simple Mary statue. So we had been walking around, and we're just looking at different things, and um, I wasn't planning on buying anything. You know, it's nothing worse than going out and, and just buying something just for the sake of buying something, but at one vendor's table, I found this beautiful uh, collector's box set edition of the music group Earth, Wind, and Fire. And it was a, a CD collection, and it was called The Eternal One. I think it was called The Eternal One. And that was my third synchronicity for the day. And how that was synchronous was, again, last week. I had said to myself, you know, self, I really would like to delve into some earth, wind, and fire music, particularly some of their songs where they touch on some metaphysical principles. And lo and behold, I find this CD collection, which had songs in there on the very topic that I was looking for. So that was the second, yeah, no, that was the third synchronicity that happened. So, of course, I didn't have cash on me, so I asked the other friend, hey, can I borrow $6 uh, so I could get this item? Uh, No, I think the item was $7. And so she's like, here, here's $10 for you. So I got this item, and I told her, okay, I will uh, send you, you know, the cash in one of the apps. So as we were leaving out of the flea market, uh, I passed by this gentleman's table, and I. another thing I like to collect is teapots. I like to collect vintage teapots, and I enjoy either using those teapots myself or I give them away as gifts. When I meet friends or have relatives over, friends over that are into the ritual of tea time, I like to present them with a beautiful vintage teapot. So I'm thinking as we're leaving the flea market, um, I have $3 left in my pocket. So I saw this most amazing cerulean blue gold-gilded teapot. It was absolutely gorgeous. And so I look at it, and I'm thinking, oh, I probably don't have enough money. All I have in my pocket is $3. And so I asked the gentleman, how much is this teapot? And he says, oh, it's $3. And I'm like, are you serious? Wow. So when he told me it was $3, I went ahead and took the teapot, and I felt amazing. I just felt like all of these synchronous moments, these little moments of synchronicity popped up for me. And I took advantage of them. I enjoyed them. And I shared that joy with other people. And that is my Dharma glimpse. When you get to the place with whatever you're struggling with or dealing with, when you 
allow yourself to surrender to the moment that is happening. You allow wonderful opportunities to present themselves that you didn't even realize were going to happen. But if you find yourself in a situation, you know, where you have a lot going on and you're focused on those problems and those issues and you just stay focused on them, you don't allow yourself to see the beauty and the grace and the multitude of ways that life can support you and that life is supporting you in that moment. So that is my Dharma glimpse. I'd like to invite you today to take a deep breath in and when you exhale allow yourself to exhale any worries and concerns and stress and frustrations that you're having just for the moment and take a moment then to inhale and be open to opportunities and possibilities that could happen to you. And once you step on those stepping stones of opportunities and allow yourself to be open to the synchronicity of that moment, you will be surprised at how you will recognize just how life conspires to support you, to present to you just what is needed for you in that moment. So I'll end with a quote from, was it Mick Jaggers? You don't always get what you want, but if you take the time, you just might find you'll get what you need. So thank you for sharing this moment with me, my hokey, corny little Dharma glimpse, (laughs) and my extra corny nugget. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you very much. You know, beginner's mind or, you know, open mind, empty mind, uh, being open to the moment, life happens. Life brings things to you. Without expectations, without all these details and of being in charge, being in control, uh, being surprised by what happens. Say, hey, wow! That 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 is uh, very. Uh, I don't know what you want to call. Well, she calls it synchronicities, but, you know, life is happening. The flowing is dynamic. It's constant change. Huh? And you flow with it. And, and, you get, and you do get surprised, even though when it's something that comes out of your own subconscious mind. Okay? It came out of you, but it's sort of like the karmic conditions that caused it to happen. You didn't make it happen. Okay? You were surprised by it, and... It's just what you needed. (laughs) Very, very good. Thank you very much. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.